Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess. Hey, Don, what you been up to? All right, so uh, this week I've uh, been, been fighting through um, a project that I'm trying to put together to, uh, to access OneDrive um, from a node from a node program, um, having all sorts of fun with OAuth authentication and, and all that fun stuff that I've never really dug in too deeply in the past. So um, many frustrations on the road, route. Um, and then on the uh, little bit more abstract level um, for Aspire EDU, we, uh, one of our developers had put together a small little um, uh, Python package, I guess, is the way to put it. Django package yeah. um, th- that had very nothing to do with our business um, specifically. So he wanted to release it to open source. So we did a little digging on that, and, and he's got it all ready to go. And it's just a matter of um, him taking the time to go ahead and broadcast that it's out there. So. Um, Couple interesting things over the past couple of weeks. What about you? Well, first we should talk about the open source thing on a future episode. Just yeah, let's um, do that. Kind of, kind of the thinking you went through on that um, as a CTO, having a developer that worked on it. Like it's something that a lot of CTOs, I feel like, kind of tech leaders go through about releasing what feels like proprietary high value code versus what can be used by the, the public kind of thing. For sure. Um, for me, man, where, where do I start? Um, so I mentioned maybe last episode where my, my wife and I are moving. We're moving from Chicago yep. to Kansas city. Um, in that process, I am interviewing for, a new, a possible new job. I've got a number of options, all of, none of which um, I've decided upon yet. Um, I've got the the freelance client I've been working with for three or four years now. They give me a chunk of work. I've got two startups that I've been advising, and they both have proposed projects which may need to have more of my time and then they could compensate me for it. I'm talking to a firm in downtown Kansas city, um, about the, uh, about a job with them and, and a director role. I'm talking to a bigger company, a bigger technology based, um, e-commerce company about a role as a, uh, kind of a tech lead for two of their teams. And sure. All in all, I've talked to now I've got a spreadsheet with every recruiter I've spoken to. And I also, I guess I should also, I've got two other companies that are remote based out of DC and another one based out of Seattle that I'm also talking to about a senior developer role. So I've talked to 20 plus recruiters and I've talked to three or four remote companies and I've talked, um, interviewing with two traditional employers and I've got three clients that may or may not have work for me. That's right. on top of a move 
that's what I've been doing is trying to figure out what do I do for the next year? So if there's a listener out there that wants to join in and they <laughs> need a CTO, uh, this is a great time to talk to me. It has to be remote unless you're based in KC, but you know, I've been doing this for a while. So I, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I have a definite plan because I am ready to commit and focus as much as I can soon. For sure. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a wild ride. But I think that's what I wanted to talk about um, yeah. is the perspective of, I've, I mean, I've conducted interviews to hire developers and now I'm being put into the position of companies to in, to follow their interview process, and I'm going to say this with a with a non curse word term. It's a crap show. Like holy, <laughs> holy moly! I have not seen a less like. It seems like whatever I followed when I was younger, all the interviews seem to follow the same pattern, the same expectations. Now. Nobody knows what the heck they're doing in the tech world. It is all over the place. And some firms are doing it way better than others. And I think that's kind of what I wanted to get to. And of course, this is opinion based, but wow, like some companies just don't know what the heck they want. And they are completely disrespectful to people that are trying to bring a little clarity to it. And I'm not talking about just me. I'm talking about how the way that companies treat the recruiters is right. kind of brutal. So anyway, I thought I'd bring that up um, as a subject for today. Sure. And I'm going to try to keep it out of the what happened to me personally rant mode. It's more about <laughs> kind of a, some app. I'll try to abstract the experiences to say what I've seen working well and where I think companies maybe are not doing they're not they may think they're achieving a goal but they're not right um out of like so i've i've looked at four or five websites like dice.com indeed.com monster.com ladders and, and stack overflow and linkedin those have all been places that i've posted a profile said i'm available and then I start to get a range of complete spam, which seems to be from international areas about, hey, I have this role based out of a city that nowhere near where you're moving and you can, um, you know, I want to talk to you about it. And I've ignored all those. That's just spam phone calls, spam emails. I just don't even pursue that stuff because in most sure. cases, I assume the that this international calling center is essentially not even representing the the positions, they just want to be the referrers. And I don't of think course. those have high value. So if a company is using one of those, just know that I don't think that that's a great way to go. But the other thing that I've had is recruiters reach out on LinkedIn or they find my profile somewhere, my resume, and they are representing, either they're representing a company directly or they are trying they have been let allowed by the client or by the employer to find candidates for a fee now that's not always guaranteed that the that the recruiter is actually representing the company in some cases right. they're going to submit you and just hope they get paid right and i'm trying to f now figure out 
like, how does this actually work? Because I feel like you hurt yourself. You probably, as a trying to get a job, you hurt yourself if you are represented by a an entity that has no actual connection to the company. But it's also hard to know, do they represent the company? Do, does the company even pay a recruiter for that? And I, that's what I can't tell you. Right. So, so the, the different steps I've gone through, I have gone through, I have yet, I haven't done, I have had one company just now propose, I take a, a personality or a cognitive ability test, CCAT, I think. Ooh, okay. Um, I haven't heard of that one. Um, I'm really hesitant to take it mainly because I feel like companies do these boilerplate tests and then there's no privacy or secure. Like if they designate me to be a genius, sure. Go ahead and broadcast it everywhere. If you broadcast me to be an idiot, <laughs> I don't want you to tell anybody else. Right. <laughs> and, and so the, that's a question of like, this is almost, you're almost treating this like a medical exam. Like you're trying to get cognitive ability of detect cognitive ability of a person through a test, a logic test of sorts. What, how do you protect that? I mean, it's almost like, is this HIPAA protected? Probably not, but it's psychological. So why not? I don't know. Um, to me, it's kind of like, if you screen people that way, you're you're doing recruiting lazy. That's a lazy ass way to find out if someone can do a job is to give them a little cognitive ability test is my opinion. But, right. you know, people may have different opinions on that. I don't know. What's your opinion so, on, on the cognitive test? So, so I haven't, I, I have actually never had to take a cognitive or personality um, matching test in the interview process. Um, that sounds very corporate, very enterprisey. Was that, the the type of company you were applying for for that one or were they small well heck no it's some start some startup yes. out of denver yeah. they're too so, small they're, they're too small to know better i think but they're doing right they're trying. And, and i think that that strikes me as a couple things one they've seen it they they've participated in it in the past they've been asked to do it yeah. in the past and uh it 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 complimented them it found them um, to be smart or, or sharp or whatever. So they, they saw it as a positive experience. So they're trying to bring that positive experience forward. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have an objection to anything like that. I mean, I hear your, I hear your privacy concerns at the end of the day, HR is a very privacy oriented department or should be a very privacy oriented function. I won't say department because for a small company, there may not be a department. Yeah. Um, there's no HR in this. Yeah. But, but the, the function should be very privacy oriented. Um, yeah. and, and you're never going to get uh, guarantees or anything like that. Um, so you just have to kind of go leap of faith sort of thing. Um, do I, I do think it's, an interesting way to go. I don't know what they're going to glean from it. Um, at, so, so I will, I'm going to throw this back at you. Sure. The different, so, so your, your feelings about the efficacy of a cognitive or personality test versus the benefits and cons of a technical um, 
test, so to speak. Because well, I know, I know, you, I, I know you don't like either. So I, I, I want to try. And, <laughs> I, I want to try and make you rank them. No, you know, I get that. I would do technical still um, over uh, this cognitive stuff because. I guess I would say I don't trust that a non-psych... Like, if I have a cognitive test done, I want a psychologist or a psychiatrist to evaluate it. I don't want some lazy-ass hiring manager for a tech company to be the one discerning what the results say. Because it's not you aren't qualified you aren't qualified to make that choice but don't um, don't these don't these tests most of the time i won't say all the time most of the time come with analysis included um it's not like i i would not expect them to come back with a score of say okay the, the randy burgess scored a 36 go interpret it i would expect them to come back with here are the results here are the strengths here are the weaknesses and and they use that information to see how you fit within the team. That's how I, I would interpret that, but I could be yeah. wrong. I don't. That, well, I can't give you the answer. Um, I mean, I'm thinking. I always think about SAT and ACT that just have numbers, and you're like, it's a good range. And I, I yeah, I don't know. I don't. I just don't know. I guess that that's part of the thing too. Is I, I'm not going to subject someone to a test unless I know how to interpret the results. And I'm certainly not taking a test for a company that I can tell just doesn't have the manpower to really use that stuff correctly. Now, I've been asked to do a test in the past. There was a, a lawyer um, that had a little startup and he said, before I do another, he did an interview with me and liked me. And I was, I kind of liked what he was doing. Um, but he, all of a sudden, without even warning me up front said, by the way, before I go any further, I need you to take this aptitude psychological test. It'll tell me if you work well with my personality type. And I came back to him with, you know, in order for me to take a test like this, I want to know kind of like what you said, what are the results look like? What is the privacy around this? What are, how do you interpret the results? And he came back and said, um, Oh, I can tell right now we won't get along. <laughs> I was because I questioned <laughs> the process that he was doing. Sure. And I was like, well, that was a great test. That was a good test. Like if someone is willing to take your test without any questions, then that's the spineless person you need <laughs> to have worked for you. And so it worked out great. It was actually a great interview process. I wish he had just asked me before I wasted an hour talking to him. Right. But um to be serious about it, that's what I don't know. That's the problem is, I mean, I took the SAT and the ACT to get into school, into college, because that's what everybody was doing. But this is breaking new ground on the type of, um, it, it's breaking the ground for, it's not something that across most of the 20, 30 jobs and people I've talked to has this ever come up. And I'm like, I just don't think that this is a component that is thought through well enough by the people submitting them. Well, um, for the first um, thing I want to do is, is I want to level set before we go any further in the discussion and, yeah. and make sure every listener understands 
not everyone has the option to say, no, I'm not going to take that. Let, oh, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll level set that and say at some point you may be in a position where you've got to take the job in front of you. Um, and if they say take a test, you may have to do that. Um, I tell my, I, yeah, to that point, I tell my students, my students have said, hey, they want me to take a personality test. What do you think? I'm like, how are you doing job wise in the search? If, you know, you might have to submit to it. Um just to get in the door somewhere. Right. And I don't, I don't tell them be like me and stand up to everything. Um, you know, cause I have a lot more leverage than they do in the, in the, mar in the marketplace. Uh, right. when, once I'm age, once I'm age 60 or something, I probably won't, I'll have the ageism issue and I probably won't have the leverage. And I may have to take a test like that if I needed a gig because retirement won't happen until 90. But the, I don't know. Yeah, you're totally right. Everyone's situation is different. They may not have the privilege of saying no to a test like that. Right. And I just wanted to cover that, make sure everybody was aware that, that we're, we're, we're aware of, of privilege that, that sometimes we have um, and, yeah. and, and the cards were dealt. So um, yeah. the other, the other thing is it does, I agree with you that that, him asking, getting your answer and him taking that answer as all the information he needed was a good question. Um, it, it, cause it, it disqualified you because I, I don't want to go so far as to, as, as you did and say, uh, he's looking for a spineless person who won't stand up to him. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, I only, I only reserve those words for Apple. Um, but, <laughs> But um, but it, it, it certainly was a case of it sounds like you pushed back and and just the fact that you you had a I won't even say a strong opinion, an opinion about it and, yeah. and wanted to know more was enough to disqualify you. I'd, I'd probably be like you. I'd be like, good. I'm glad we uh, didn't get any further along this track. Yep. And, and I could tell in the interview process a little bit that, you know, this is a person with a strong personality that wants things done exactly how they want it. They also don't know much about product development. And there's a problem there. I've worked for a different person that had that same, they want to be product manager, did not know how to be a product manager, product manager. Sure. And, and sometimes that's fine if they're willing to learn, but if they aren't, then it can be a problem. So sure. be, beside that, that, that was my only experience so far. I haven't taken a test ever and I am pretty much like, I don't know why I need to. So we'll just see, have to see where that goes. So the next, so let, me, the next let, me, uh, let me interrupt you real quick. Yeah. Just, just to wrap that, put a nice bow on this. I don't know if this is possible, but what if you were to take, the CCAT yourself. Yeah. And then have the results. And then if somebody asks, you can say, well, I had it, I took it back on the state. Is this good? I, that allows you to preview the results. That allows <laughs> you to see how it comes back. And then you've got one more thing, one more tool in your, in your arsenal of resume builders. I feel like, I feel like I could like, yeah, sure. If if it was a standard that was being done everywhere, I like that strategy. But because this is one of 30, 
conversations I've had, I'm not inclined to put that much work. Into and and it right I think now. I think it's one of thirty because you're you're mostly, if I'm right, you're mostly dealing with smaller firms. Yeah, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I think if you're dealing with bigger firms, it'd be higher than one in thirty. Um, but isn't there like I would feel like this is a risk that big company HR would be like, yeah, this is a risky area for us to go down a path on, mainly because the bias that these tests show and trying to put a diverse okay, workforce sure, together sure. has to be like, I'm just going to say that we have, we've seen in the SAT and the ACT that they have found, and I don't have, this is anecdotal, but I know I've read about it. There are biases in some of these tests. Sure. That, there, there, there are, there are economic biases. There are uh, race biases. There are, there are gender biases probably yeah. even to some degree. So I would think that if you are a wise HR person, I mean, an HR manager is essentially a risk manager around human, the human resources part of a business. I would think that if you are a good HR manager, you got to worry about the bias that a cognitive test would have in your hiring process and what that it would expose your company to. That's my that's how I would think about it. Yeah, I, I, I think I think if you're an HR manager, your middle name is is living with bias. Um, that's a long middle name. Um, but <laughs> everything about the process is in some way influenced by factors outside of the actual um, results, right? Yeah. So there's there's not there's not a single decision that's not informed by some form of bias. So at some point you, you, you just accept it. And if you can pass off the, the responsibility of the bias to something quote standardized, I think you've yeah. actually reduced your risk, not increased it. And that is, yeah. that is Don speaks lawyers, uh, for today. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, Let's transition to the next interview types I was doing, which are, I'll describe them as the 15-minute screener interviews. And I have found that I understand why the companies are trying to do it. I did three or four of these. And I was talking to an HR person um, or a... I was never, I was talking to either the direct hiring person for a 15 minute clip sure. or an HR person, not, not a recruiter. Recruiters do their own about 15 to 30 minutes to find out who you are, to see if they want to pitch you. So I'm talking way more about a person at the company doing a 15 minute screener to see if it's worth talking to you later. And I'm going to tell companies right now that I understand why you want to do it. Your time is is very precious. And I'm not saying that facetiously, I'm saying that I understand time is of high value and you can only do so many phone calls before it burns you out for what you need to do in the day. But dang it, the companies that I talked to that did these 15 minute screeners to see if I was worthy of an interview pretty much made themselves look like companies that didn't care about recruiting. And it's because of the way that they asked and answered questions without any discussion. So one example is I talked to a company, they're in the Kansas City market. They are ranked in the top five 
of best employers in the Kansas City market. And they touted it pretty well. And I got in the interview with two of their lead technology people. And about and it was only a 15 to 20 minute conversation. And I they would ask me a question. They I was not really given much time to kind of flush out. The questions were always about how do you approach, like what's the best team size you would want? And I'm like, like these are all questions where the answer is depends. Like I got to have more context yeah, here. Uh, nuance questions. For, yeah. But they were looking, I was like, they're looking for me to give them the set answer that fits what they are currently doing. And there's no way for me to know, like, like, should I answer this question as eight, team, eight people or five people? I answered it as honestly as I could, but they never came back with a, like, I never got a feeling for them. Right. Like, what are you looking for here? And so they were very abrupt. They were all like, they were almost rude in the sense that they didn't seem to give a crap about anything, but the, uh, this filter interview getting over with, so they could put me on a pile to talk to them later. And then they gave me a little period of time to ask questions. And I'm asking questions to kind of understand their culture. And I really wasn't asking, I asked a question about, so how do you, you know, companies that need to retain people, education is a big deal. This is something that comes up in the Chicago CTO forum all the time. Sure. What is the best way to retain employees, getting, getting them to conferences, getting them um, education and training, online courses, all like curriculums and like, this is something that I've seen CTO level, tech leader level folks talk about all the time. And so I just asked them, what do you think? And I swear they were almost like they thought I was asking for how much of a training budget would they give me if I worked there? And I was really just kind of trying to find out philosophy. Uh, they, even if you were and, asking that precise question, that's not a difficult question to answer usually. Oh man, the answer that I got back was "You're on your own." Mm -hmm. It's up to it's up to you. Interesting. I was like, I was like, I just want to say, why are you even talking to me? <laughs> like, yeah. this is the the most abrupt, worst interview I've I've done with anyone. Well, now that was one version. Go yeah, ahead, go ahead. I was going to say that that I I don't want to get off this topic, and and we seem to be all over the place because it's such a broad topic. Um, finish, finish this topic and I'll come back to it. Go ahead. Okay. So that, that company I got off the phone with my immediate response to the recruiter that had gotten me into the screener interview was, I don't need, I don't want to proceed. It was a very, was not a great connection at all. They, right. they seemed, they seemed abrasive and skeptical. Like that was the term I was like, they were skeptical to me from the time I got on the phone. And they seem they kind of answered the questions as though I was asking for something, and all I wanted to do is get to know what the position was and who, how they, you know, what their philosophy was. So that so that was that was done. I didn't. I haven't even um, that thing was never pursued. But I did another screener interview with a direct hiring manager. I liked the guy. I liked how he talked about the project. I liked how he was transparent about what they're doing. But he gave, he went through this process 
so fast. He asked me some technical questions about JavaScript that I knew he didn't know the answer to. He just was asking me off of a sheet. And he asked me some questions that were about management that I just knew the answer I needed to give him to, to make him happy with the answer. Right. And at the end of that 15, 20 minutes, he was ready to hire me. And I was like, this is bad too, because I know that you're going to hire other people that will also gain this interview. And it's too easy. <laughs> it was way too fast and easy. So that's the flip side, right? I like the person. He had good answers to my questions. But his process was so unstructured and so flimsy on the surface that I'm like, no, no, I need you to be more discerning. I need you to care more about what you're hiring for here because the project demands were insane. This is with a very big employer in Kansas City. And they and they were other highly respected in other cities. Like they're a international firm almost. Sure. And it was it's for a project with a very tight deadline and intense hiring and all that. I was just like, whoa, that's the opposite side of this. Like the, the, the company that did the abrupt interview that was abrasive was not good, but this agreeable quick filter was also too fast and furious for what I would consider hiring quality people. So that's the other side of it. Yeah, I, I agree that it, that, that those are the two extremes. Um, I, I, I think I think that the the extreme of too too easy an interview. Um, I've I've been the hiring manager where it's been look at the resume, schedule an hour call, and then after the first ten minutes, I'm like, yeah, I want this person in. Um, yeah, it, it, decisions can be made that quickly, and it doesn't mean it's the wrong decision. Um, so so yes, there are two extremes. I'm just not sure one's just as bad as the other. Yeah, I the what I I guess what I would recommend to hiring people, people that are hiring is take the time to read the resume, take the time to talk to the recruiter about what they thought talking to the person. And, you know, be like, use that if you're gonna do a quick filter through, try to make it something that like, I would have been, had more confidence with the second person if they had said, we're not like, this is not going to decide yes or no, whether we hire you. And I knew that I was on the hiring path, right? Like in terms of, I could have had an offer that next call. Um, and I was just like, that's too fast. This is, that's not efficient for hire. Like you're going to pay a price for this down the road. And I don't know that I want to be on that side of the price. Well, um, what I do want to get to, and, and I'm not going to rush you there. I'm going to let you no. finish your points. I want to get to what's your ideal hiring process. If you were to hire, how would you, what we've talked about all the things that, that go, go that go south and, and the filters that don't work. But I do want to get to what is, how, how would you structure your ideal one? Um, and, and I want, I want you to finish your, your, your other points first, but let's wrap up with that. Uh, well, I, I think I'm fine to start talking about that. Okay, let's because go ahead, I've Archie. got uh, I've got two to three um, interview paths I'm on, where I'm like, 
oh, these people are doing it like I think works best. Both. So I'll say, I'll take two of the companies. Two of the companies are very different types of companies. They are both in Kansas City area, metro area. Sure. They are um, hiring for leadership type roles. And what they have done is they, one company is using a recruiter that has been in the business at least a decade and a half, if not more. So they have been in the business of helping, we call them headhunters back in the, in the days, I think. They have been professional recruiters for a good chunk of time, and they know how the business works. And they know how it should work. They're almost brokers of the way they act like a, like a selling and buying a house, the way that how professional I've seen them converse with me in the communication process. And so I like my first step to the sorry, in the other company, they had a they had a part-time HR person working on behalf of their firm to screen candidates. And so that person, both people talked to me for an hour, hour and a half. That is their job. They're doing the filter process in a way of they are looking through the resumes and they've seen a lot of resumes over the years. They are having conversations to find out, is this person going to fit in the environment that is, you know, that I'm putting them into? And then they have a structured process where the next conversation is with the direct hiring manager to make sure that and it's only going to be an hour, but I had thorough conversations with thorough questions when the companies are hiring professional recruiters that have been in the business for a while. And there was a markedly different, there's a huge difference in the conversations I have with longstanding recruiters versus the folks that are just out of college and working in the boiler room types that don't understand much of the tech at all. Right. And I'm not talking to recruiters that understand every little tech thing, but they know the nuances of it. They know the difference between management level, designers, product, all that. They understand what the kind of people that fit into the management teams that are existing there. So that's step one for me is have hire, like a company should hire a hiring manager or sorry, a, a recruiter that has been in the business a while and ha- comes like with like find like do your hiring by hiring the right recruiter. That's your first step. I think it sounds like a no brainer thing, but I, th- I feel like the processes I've been a part of with an, a, a really experienced recruiter is way, way different than I've been with this other side of things. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought this one up because this is, this is a, this is a part of the topic I wanted to talk about uh, was recruiters in general. I yeah. recruiters, recruiters get a bad rap, but a lot of recruiters earn the bad, the bad rap as well. Um, sure. As far as just getting, you know, spammed with, with recruiting emails or recruiting LinkedIn messages or things like that. Um, I went through a period of time where I went ahead and I diligently answered every recruiter with, 
I'm not looking at this time, but thank you for contacting me, that sort of thing, just to try and keep some sort of dialogue. Um, yeah. But I, I, I did not see that that mattered because they're usually with another company or, or not doing recruiting after a period of time either. But the, the positive side of it, especially when you're looking for something specific, um, so the example I'll use is my daughter is her, her, her field of knowledge is Japanese translation. Um, yeah. it's not easy in the world to go find a Japanese translation job. Um, yeah. that was certainly one where she had to go to a recruiter. The recruiter had a contact, uh, had a contract or, or an agreement with, uh, a, a Japanese company with offices in the area and they were finally able, uh, an opening came up. The recruiter knew, had, had her information and called her up and matched the two. Um, that's where recruiting works is when you've got that very specific skill set um, that, that you need to fill and you've got a recruiter who can fill it. Um, I think your point about experienced recruiters is also, is also a good one. Um, the, my side of it, I had a good relationship with a recruiting executive. Um, so two years ago when, when I was transitioning jobs, um, I, one of the first things I did was reach out to her. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. I know we had lunch. We talked about what my, what my needs were. We talked about what my strengths were. She was never able to find a match. Now that could have been my, my, uh, deficiencies as well as hers, but it didn't work out in a positive manner for me. So you're, you're going to see mismatches, um, sometimes as well, where it just doesn't work. But I think you're, I think as a, as a starting point for doing a hiring process, starting with a good recruiters is a, is a good one. Now, one of the things on, like, let's say today I was going to hire a recruiter for a any company I worked for, let's say I'm a CTO and I'm going to hire a recruiter to help me in my in the job search or finding people for my company. I would look for, again, experienced recruiters that cost more. If you're going to pay b- b- like bottom of the barrel recruiting fees, you're going to get bottom of the barrel candidates. Sure. I mean, I'm just, you got to pay, you get what you pay for. So I'd, I would expect to pay a higher rate for an experienced recruiter. And what I would want them to tell me is because every recruiter has told me this every time they talk to me about the company, if they are good, I have placed X number of people at this firm. So one recruiter said, I have put 30 people in this company. I was like, whoa, that is a lot. And then another person was like, I've put five people. That's a good chunk for one company to even put five. So the and another one had put like 15 over the last 10 years they didn't put everybody but they put a few and then when i actually talked to the hiring manager i was like i was actually impressed with your recruiter they're like yes they are great so i found that the companies that i like are really um they are really happy with that relationship and they are valuing that relationship with the high, with the recruiter they're using and they're not using people from all over. Yeah. They're, they're, they're treating, so, they're treating the relationship more as a partnership 
which it has yeah. to be as opposed to a vendor client relationship. Yeah. So I would, if I was hiring a recruiter, I would say, so you don't need to give me names, but I, you know, I would like to know how many companies have you put five or more people with across the, you know, across the city or something. Cause I want to know, like, do you have relationships with companies? And because if I, it's kind of like if they, if these companies trust you to work for them and, and you're, you cost more then I probably have a reason to think you'll do the same for me. Sure. And so that, that, so that's, again, that when you, when I talk about the processes I've been a part of so far, where I really liked what they were doing, it started with a seasoned experienced recruiter that could actually talk to me about the company before I talked to the company. I found that to be very impressive on my side of things. Sure. Uh, so then I guess we can go well, the, sideways and I was going to say the recruiter, the recruiters. So let's say you're hiring for a position. You, you, you've found a good recruiter. They've come to you with, with a, a bucket of candidates. Um, what, what would you do as your next steps to vet those candidates? Well, in theory, the recruiter is going to be bringing me, um, they're going to be bringing me candidates that don't waste my time. Sure. That's like the, to me, the, the, that recruiter's job is to save me time from the filtering process that is rather insane and can burn you out quick in that game. So if that recruiter brings me five people that just don't match, I need to sit down with that recruiter quickly and say, Hey, here's a, pro here's a problem with these five people. You need to review your stack of who you're sending me. But the next step is really plan for an, a one hour conversation with the candidates that this recruiter has brought to me. Because uh, again, this is not going to be as efficient at the beginning, but over time that recruiter knows the more duds they bring you from what the candidate you're looking for, the less valuable they are to you. Right. The recruiter, when I talk to the recruiters, they say, my number one goal is to save my clients time in the hiring process. If I bring them people that don't fit, that is an hour of time wasted. And they do not, that's, that kills what I'm doing for them. Right. So that's the same the next thing. What you're trying to do is that next conversation should be an hour discussion where you are investing time into that potential candidate because the recruiter saved you from the onslaught of the filtering um, hiring process. Sure. So the recruiter, so, so the recruiter brought you a, a small list of, of filtered candidates. We'll assume yeah. that for the most part, they, they, they've done a good job of filtering. They brought yep. you um, the resumes. They brought you um Maybe maybe slightly enhanced resumes with a little bit of background, but that's really all you get most of the time. And and you're now you're now at that one hour interview step. What one hour discussion step? I should say. What? How are you going to spend that hour um, with those candidates? So the technical side, there's a technical and a I would call it a there's a scenario side and a technical side. What I want to know and what I think these companies that have been asked talking to me are trying to find out 
are you technically proficient enough? Do you have the aptitude that we need for this role? And two, how do you deal with the different scenarios that we find in our business every day? And the interviews that I felt were the ones that were best prepared for by the interviewer and the ones that I felt like they were getting the knowledge they needed to know if I'm a good candidate were the ones that asked me, what are like, they would give me, have you worked with this technology? Have you worked with this technology? Can you tell me a little bit about how much you've worked with, you know, X, Y, Z? I felt like they gave me an opportunity to talk about the projects I've worked on, the complexity. And I was always honest. Like there are times that I'm like, I have not used that. I know what it does. Like Angular is a great one. People are like, have you used Angular? I'm like, no, I've used Vue. I've used React. Sure. Um, Angular is pretty much along that line. So if you put it in front of me, I know I could do it, but I would not sell myself as an Angular manager developer. And they're like, okay, that's fine. You've worked with React or front end. I think we're good there. They didn't like, that was enough for them to know. And I, for me to be honest enough to, to say like what I'm an expert in, what I need to work on, what I have the aptitude to do. And, but then it came down to scenarios. Have you dealt with a scenario where you were working with an IT department that wasn't cooperating? Have you dealt with scenarios where someone on the team um, was on their own, like doing their own thing and you need to, to bring them in? Have you dealt with us? Can you tell me a scenario where you needed to take over a project? Um, like it's just, it's like all of these, to me, the, the ability to have discussions around scenarios that they see in their everyday workplace sure. allowed for them to find out my temperament and how I deal with things. And they all, and also it gave me the opportunity to learn a little bit about what is their work place like. And to me, the goal is not to entice someone to work there by giving them a sugar-coated view. You, the idea is you want to bring them in knowing all the warts in, in everything because right. there are warts in every job. There's nothing perfect. Right. So, so to me, it's very much about, you know, making sure that there is a good understanding of the technical needs and the management and work and the, the team based people needs that that job has. You will get through that discussion in record 45 minutes easy. And I had, in both times, I had a very limited window to ask questions of my own. But I would say that because of the questions I asked and how I answered and the discussion that went back and forth, I actually, they answered some of my questions along that line anyway. Right. And and that's just the first interview. Um in no case, like none of these situations, is it going to be one interview and hire? Like nobody that I no no process I've respected so far has been talk to the hiring manager, and one hour later they're ready to make a decision. And I am really happy with that. I don't think that that's enough time to find out is this person going to be a good fit for us long term. So that's the, that's how I would structure the next level. Um, after the, after I hired a recruiter and felt like they were filtering out and giving me good candidates to spend time with. Sure. 
So, and, and I think I think all that works. I tend to be on the shorter end of it. Um, I tend to be on the. I don't need multiple interviews necessarily. I, I whenever when I've done hiring in the past, I'm usually my when I interview, I'm looking for fit. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking for. Uh, creativity. Um, I think one of the the traits that that you mentioned um, that that you displayed in some of yours was a little bit of honesty, a little bit of humility in what you knew and what you didn't. Yeah. Um, I'm looking for that. I'm looking for so generally, I'm looking for that fit. Um, I usually let the technical the the people that are closer to the technology deal with the the technical questions. Um, and making sure that um, the aptitude is there. I, I try and, I, I, and when I coach the, the technical people on those interviews, I try and steer them away from pop quiz questions, things like that. Um, yeah. And more yeah. towards talk to me about this project you built. And that's usually a question I'll ask as well. And sometimes I'll have the technical person on with me. We'll do it all in one shot. It'll be talk, talk to me about a difficult project in this technology, or just talk to me about a difficult project and what you, what challenges you face, how you, how you work through them or what learnings you had from them. Um, and then I'll let the, the technical person dive into the details a little bit more, but I try and steer away from the, um, pop quiz nature of what is, what, what is static do for you in JavaScript, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. But usually it's, it's that, that level of screening, because I don't think you gain a lot from multiple conversations. Um, hmm. I do think, I do think you, usually if you're looking at a couple and you come down to a either or, then yeah, one more conversation might be useful. But I, I'm, I tend mm-hmm. to, I tend to be on the side of, let's go ahead. We, we've, we've done our due diligence. Let's go ahead and bring this person in and get started. So, what do you think that that additional conversations um, give you? Oh, well, more time to ask further questions that I have. I mean, I just don't feel like you get an hour is enough to really ask all everything. Um, I think you can dig down more into, you know, what I also found it helpful when people would say, let's talk about your resume and let's walk through these jobs. Sure. And people, I was able to paint for people a picture of my career. Granted my resume, people are confused as heck by it <laughs> because I, because I started out as a like director of tech at a really young age. And then I went back and became a hands-on developer. And then I went back to a CTO and hands-on developer. And they're like, what the heck was going on? And I'm like, let me explain it. It's all it all it's all rational once you hear it. Sure. And they're like, yeah, that does make sense, but it doesn't look make sense when I look at it in this timeline. You right. know? And so so I was always like it benefited me to have that conversation. But that's what I also like to know is like what I'm always trying to find out from when I hire people is what are your motivations? What, what gets you up in the morning? Cause I know that I can hire you to do this project and it looks like you can technically do it, but do you, are you going to want to, right? Like, will it not try to be nuts over time? 
And that's what I'm more worried about is, you know, hiring people and them getting bored and then the quality of work goes down. Right. So, so that's where I would say like, I've talked to them about their experience. In the first call, I talk about scenarios and experience and technical aptitude. The next call is about motivation. Like what, like, are you really, do you want this gig for a reason other than cash? And if you do just want it for cash, can we just switch it to a contract? Like what's the best way to hire you is always is something that I always ask. True. So that's kind of what I asked next. Um, in most cases, the, the, the added interviews I'm doing are with people I will either be working with or that I will be managing. Like I've had interviews with people that would be on the team that I am, I guess, in charge of that's my, are on my shoulders. And I've, it's interesting because I kind of like it. I like the fact that they're making sure that they don't hire someone that goes in and disrupts a good team of people that already exist and work well together. Cause like, why well, if you bring in a jerk and they just scare off half the team, like that doesn't serve you well at all. So I kind of respect that they're letting that team kind of have a say, can you work for this guy? Because I think it's a worthwhile question to ask. And so I'm, was kind of happy to even talk to the people and, and in a way I kind of got to know, you know, what are these folks like working for? Um, are working with because to me like yeah i might be a manager but i still have to depend on these folks right so yeah so that that's what i kind of look for in the second round i don't know that as a hiring manager you need like it i, I don't know that you need to do it i think you can have other people in the company kind of talk and get a sense so i do think a second opinion is always good yeah i i, I um, i'm in agreement that it needs to be more than one person involved for the most part just just because you all get different reads um, especially if you're involving team members, uh, personality starts to play into it some and you can get a feeling for fit. So um, I'm in agreement that multiple opinions are, are worthwhile. Where uh, experience I had was having to talk to five different people on the team. If the first two or yeah. three can't figure it out, that fourth <laughs> or fifth's not going to change their mind. So it, it, yeah. it, that just drags out the process. Um, so I think, I think you and I are, are, are in the same ballpark as we're not one of these that wants the whole team to interview, um, but we do need multiple opinions. Yep. So the last, we're already near the oh, hour yeah. mark, but I think we'll go over. There's the last chunk, I think, is the technical interview question, which I know you wanted to talk about. Um, for certain, because I am by far the most vocal person about how horrible most technical interviews are. And I think that they're a lazy ass way for a lot of companies. Sure. But I, I did an interesting one, which I talked to you about offline before. So let's first, we'll talk about the stupid ones. The ones that I think are dumb are the ones that do the esoteric uh, solve a problem for us it, with code that has nothing to do with the job or doesn't really come up. Or if you really need to do it, you would just Google the hell out of this and figure out how to do it, whatever. That to me is a horrible way to hire good people because I don't think good people often will partake in them. Now I did partake in one 
because I they told me it wasn't esoteric. And I'm like, this crap is esoteric, but I'll still try it. And I still got half of it right. And the other half, I was there like, Do you, are you going to try this one? I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm done. I figured it, I'm happy with my getting the first part of it right. This extension of it is just like, I know I need to Google some stuff, but I don't care now. But the, the, the what this happened with this process, I actually kind of like what they were doing. What they did is they outsourced the technical interview to a company. I was using something online called CoderPad. And it's kind of like a code pen-ish type um, collaborative sure. coding thing. I've heard that, like, I have found it to be a little buggy, and I have, and I found it. I have friends that say it completely crashed on them and their test. But bottom line, I was I was paired with a, um, I would say not a teacher, like an observer or advisor. Sure that was walking me through the problem I needed to solve. They were very, I found them to be very empathetic. I found them to be very, um, uh, like a good personality to talk to. They understood you might be nervous. The person that I was working with on this technical exam was great for that role. I, I was like, man, I would hire you in a heartbeat to do this for me if I put people through these stupid tests. But when they actually gave me the problem, I'm like, they are hiring me for a business technology project and I'm trying to figure out squares and an array. Like what? Like this doesn't make any sense why I'm doing this problem for this role. They talked to me about in the interview, they talked to me about leadership needs and problem solving and understanding business issues. And then they give me this technical thing that I'm like, this doesn't tell you Jack about, what I have done all like, look at my resume, all the stuff I've built and done. And now you're making me figure out zeros that represent a rectangle and a a multi, multi set array. And I was just like, God, you are filtering me out so early in your process. And I just don't care. Like I just gave up on this one. And so I'm, I'm just gotta like, I've tried, I'm trying to have the attitude of there's nothing wrong with trying to find out my technical aptitude by asking me questions, but trying to do esoteric problem solving is a really bad way to go. Now, I'm going to give you another example that I thought was smart and I liked it, but it also told me I wasn't the right person for the job. And I told him this, it was a company that is hiring, they were hiring for a data migration Sure. They needed someone that understood Mongo and relation relational databases. And they had they set up with CoderPad a problem that represent it, it was a it was it did what I thought it should do. It was a code problem that represented the business problem they needed me to be hired to solve. And I was like sitting there reading it. I'm like, oh, this is great. Like I if I showed them this that I can do this, I actually understand exactly what they need the job to do. But as I got in deeper, I was like, wait a second, this is completely the wrong way to fix this problem. I've tried to do this before and it's horrible to do it this way. And I was kind of like, I'm stuck in, I was sitting there for about three or four minutes thinking, why do I want to spend three hours on solving their little test? When even if they said, we want to hire you for this role, that I'm like, I don't want to do it this way. Like I prove, I proved to you I can do it this way, but I think this is the wrong way to do it. 
So what I did was I wrote uh, in, in comments, in Ruby comments, this is how I would approach this problem. You don't need a Ruby developer. You need a database expert or a database, um, a data transformation person to handle this for you. This is not something you want to do in Ruby right. code. I know this preclude, probably you know, keeps precludes me from the hiring process, but I just don't think this is the way you want to approach sure. this. I never heard from them again. They said, thank you. Um, we'll, we'll let our leading tech manager do, um, talk about this, but I've uh, never heard from them again. And, and maybe they were taking my advice and they're not looking for a Ruby person for it. But I was like, that is the best test I've been presented with that represented the business right. problem. And so I kind of, I, I told them, I like the problem you gave. I just think the solution you're proposing is a bad one. So I don't know what you think about that, but that's how I Well, we've talked one. about this some in the past where when, when we try to hire for Aspire EDU, and we're not always able to do it, but we'll give them an issue out of our issue queue to look at and, and access to the code, um, but but not on a time man, timed manner, right? Um, now, that requires them taking time out, and we've, we always pay for that time for them to go through and see how they would approach it. Um, but that that is, for, for us, to me, that works really well um, for giving someone insight into what we do, testing them on what we need, um, and I believe it's in a fair fashion um, since since we're having them do work and we're paying them for that work, but it's not going to work for everybody. Um, I don't think we'd get you, for example, to to spend the time to look at it, um, just because you can't you can't really get into it in a short amount of time. Um, you're going to have to commit a number of hours to it. So that's how we handle it. I, so it, it's the same thing as what you're saying, which is they took their business problem, put it into CoderPad, which is maybe something we need to look to do is is move some of what we do into something a little more generic so we can put it in CoderPad um, so we can use that. So I, I, you're right. As far as technical questions and, and, and quizzes go, that seems like one of the best ways to do it. So the, I did, I did a, I got an example of a very small uh, test I took with someone that I was like, oh, this is interesting. He, it was a one hour conversation with the CTO of a remote company. And it was really interesting. His first question was, what are you looking for? And then after I finished talking about the jobs like my, my history and what I was looking for, he said, this is what I heard. And he kind of went through and it was obvious he had listened to me the whole time. And he matched what his company was doing with what I said I was looking for. And I was like, Interesting. I like this dude <laughs> knows how to impress a candidate. Like, I don't know if sure. I'm impressing him, but he's impressing me. And, right. and so we did that part up front. And then he's like, okay, I got... 45 minutes, we're at the 45 minute mark. I've got 15 minutes to do a technical interview. Are you good? I'm like, sure. He asked me, explain rest to me. I'm like, oh, okay. So I explained what rest was, the protocol APIs. I talked about graph 
QL. I rambled a bit, just you know, trying to fill the time with as much stuff I could talk about, the different actions and stuff. He's like, okay, so now right. let's build on that. Tell me about how Rails controller actions match to REST. So I got all but one. It was really as one I had already mentioned, and he gave me that. He's like, you already talked about it, and he's like, oh yeah, that. So he was kind of, he was making sure that I understood both the ins and outs of APIs, how Rails deals with them, and then he asked me to do a very basic SQL command around two tables joining. And I, I actually like, oh, I need to type this out. He's like, yeah, go ahead. So I typed it out and he's, his opinion was I got one thing wrong and I think he might be right, but I probably should go back and test just for my own knowledge. But he gave me a very rudimentary test that told me he needs people that know more than just active record that know SQL. And he needs people that understand APIs because that's a common thing that I'm guessing his developers need. And so it was a very quick, brief test without being a whiteboard thing, without being a puzzle that I would say, I would expect people that I'm hiring at my level to understand those things, at least to have a conversation about them. And I was like, oh, this is a really good technical test. So the next level is there's more tech, like they have more pairing type exams that they do online, I think, with their people. But he at least was filtering. He, he had a conversation with me about the job and how it may or may not match with what they need. And then he had a very he had a screener tech exam that really didn't make me feel uncomfortable or make me try to do logic, logic pop problems or esoteric stuff. It was just more of, do you understand APIs, man? Do you understand how Rails works with those APIs or with, uh, you know, with HTML protocols? And I was like, and, and then do you know SQL? Like, can you write SQL code instead of depending completely on active record? I was like, you know what? I kind of respect all of that that we just did for an hour. That was really effective. Sure. And I felt like, of all the companies I've spoken to, I felt like that person knew more about me fitting into what he needed better than most of the companies I've talked to over the sure. past three weeks. So it was really, uh, that was impressive to me. I, I, I will take away from that interview process, whether or not I even, I move forward with it or not. I, I plan to like probably reach out and set up the next step. I will, re- I'm going to remember that process as I liked how he conducted that interview all the way through. Sure. So. Cool. No, I, I actually, my, my initial reaction to, to the, the final SQL question was that seems so basic. I don't understand why you'd ask it, but in today's world where there's a lot of developers who maybe didn't even grow up on relational databases, um, have grown up on the on the no no SQL uh, world, yeah. or as you stated, and this was the other point I missed the the um, the ORM world where you never have to touch the SQL. You can write it all in Active Record or or whatever ORM you're using. Yeah. 
Um, so, so you're right. That that's a perfectly valid question to make sure that, yeah, I've at least heard, done a little SQL. No, I'm not going to write you a, a huge query, but I, I know enough to be able to tell you how to do to, to a join. Yeah. So very good. Yeah. So we've covered a lot. Um, Oh yeah. I feel there's more to talk about. I guess I'll probably have a lot more to say about what I'm doing next. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I'm doing the interviewing and I have options and I'm just, you know, trying to, I'm learning a lot about the hiring field that I just haven't needed to look at for a while. And, but now I go into the, the zone of moving which is the zone of life that I think as you get older, it seems more and more like jumping over a Canyon. Um, you never want to do it again. And you just, so you people, you know, don't move as much as I get older. When I'm younger, I was like right. every year I could have a new apartment. So, <laughs> so we'll see what I look like on the other side of that. But, um, sure. Anyway, uh, yeah, a good conversation. I think I'm learning a lot about the yeah, interview sure. process that I ha haven't paid attention to. So we'll see kind of we'll see where it goes. For sure. Sounds good, and and we 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 all look forward to hearing the 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 exciting conclusion, <laughs> <laughs> or at least the next phase. The net, yeah, the next phase. All right, take it easy. We'll talk Very good. next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to the CTO Think Podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. Patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts, which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show. If you have feedback, ideas, or want to be a guest, please email us at hello at ctothink.com. Show music is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach, licensed by premiumbeat.com. Voiceover work by meganvoices.com. You'll hear from us next week.